0: Would you turn your Bible, please, to Mark chapter 16, Mark chapter 16. And He's alive, amen? Amen. And because He lives, we can face tomorrow, and because He lives, all fear is gone. I want to speak this morning on Resurrection Realities. Five testimonies that transformed the early church, the early Christians, those early disciples and when we get a handle on those five testimonies, they will change our lives. May we pray. Our Father we thank Thee for what we have experienced these wonderful songs. We've been lifted to the very portal and throne of heaven We pray now that the Word of God will become alive and sharp and real within us. May someone who has never been saved confess Christ as Savior today. And may this be a day when we will enter into the power of the resurrected life. We pray in Jesus' name through the blood. Amen. And when the Sabbath was passed... Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning of the first day of the week they came into the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. They said among themselves, Who shall roll away the stone for us from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were amazed. And he saith unto them, Be not amazed. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him, but go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter. And he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him, as he said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. And one other passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 1, the third verse. The writer Luke is writing a second book on the life of Christ and the early church, He dedicates it to Theophilus, he speaks about the day in which Jesus was taken up after he through the Holy Ghost had given commandment unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen by them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God." In Revelation 1.18, Jesus said, "'I am He that liveth, and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and have the keys of hell and of death.'" All over the world today, the resurrection is celebrated. This is what we do in Bible-believing churches every Sunday. The reason we meet on the Lord's Day Sunday instead of Saturday, the old Jewish Sabbath, is because Jesus was raised from the dead on the first day of the week. And for these 2,000 years, the church of the living God has been meeting Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday in an unbroken chain to say to an, an entire world, we serve a risen Savior. He got up on that first Sunday morning, the Lord's Day. Did you ever wonder what it was that caused the expressions and the experiences of a little band of men in a little land of Palestine, 200 miles by 50 miles, that little band of men to be so changed that from that little tiny nation, they took the gospel of Jesus Christ to every continent and island of the sea so that today there is not anywhere in the world where the Christian church does not meet and where believers do not meet to serve a risen Savior. What was it that changed this little band of men from a defeat, and as Bob sang, Peter, who had denied Christ, defeated, discouraged, and suddenly he becomes a rock, and there's a change. I want to give you five testimonies, very briefly. Maybe you'll write them down in your heart. I think these are the five things that changed the minds and lives and destinies of those early disciples and of the Christians through the years. Number one, the fact that Jesus was really alive. You see, they had seen the whole thing. They had seen him die. Peter was out, uh, John was out there. Probably Peter followed afar off and saw from the distance the crucifixion. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, two secret disciples, came out of their secrecy, begged the body of Jesus, and carried that limp, helpless, dead body, and buried it. And everybody went home in defeat. Have you ever left a graveside with an aching heart? you ever come to that point where somebody very precious and dear to you was some of the men helped right here thank you very much thank you for helping us with this have you ever had that experience happen in your life where you felt discouraged and defeated and there was nobody to give you any hope That's the way they felt that day. But then Sunday came. Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb. Before it was dark, before it was daylight. If you've ever gotten up about 3.30 or 4 o'clock on Sunday morning and seen how dark it is, that's how dark it was when Mary Magdalene got to that grave. And the stone wasn't rolled away. And the body wasn't there. The women returning from the tomb, heard the angelic a message, He is not here. That same afternoon, Jesus appeared to Simon Peter, according to 1 Corinthians 15, 5. According to Luke 24, to the Emmaus disciples toward the evening. And in John chapter 20, that evening, Jesus met in the upper room with His disciples, and Thomas was absent, but the Lord was there. The next Sunday night, Thomas was present, and Jesus said, thrust in your hands into the nail prints and into the ribbon side. He said, a spirit doesn't have flesh and bone like you see me have. And little by little by little by little they became convinced that that Jesus they saw die was really alive. It has become old to us. That's a sad thing. And one reason Christianity is so ho-hum and humdrum today is because the resurrection of Christ has become old hat to us. We hear it preached. We hear it sung. We meet Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and there seems to be no breakthrough of a new spirit of expectancy. The Lord spoke of His second coming, and He told us to watch and pray and be ready for His second coming. And I think one reason He did that was to inject into the Christian bloodstream, a spirit of expectancy like those disciples had when they got there and found not the body of the Lord. They were so transformed. They were so transfigured, so to speak, in their spirits, they never got over it. That that first Easter morning, that first resurrection morning, they didn't have some dead uh, worship service where the organ played some minor key fugue and everybody sat around and they were very very quiet wasn't anything like that at all they were so excited Mary Magdalene got to the tomb first and she didn't find the body so she ran can you just see this woman running down the road and she said Peter, Peter wake up he's not there and Peter got up and he came and John and Peter ran together they had a running match and John got there first because he was the younger and Peter entered into the tomb and Jesus was not there And John came in and believed, and then they left to wake the other disciples, and the other women began to come, and and on and on. That first Sunday morning, they didn't meet in a church. They didn't even meet in each other's house. They met out on the road, and they said with excitement, Christ is alive. And that afternoon, two disciples going to Emmaus were heartbroken. They had just heard the rumor that Jesus was alive, but they didn't really believe it and a stranger came walking along with them. He said, why are you so sad? I think he would say that same thing to many of us today. Why are you so sad? And they said, well, are you a stranger in these parts? Do you not know that... uh, Jesus a mighty prophet we thought was really the son of God we thought he was the Messiah and our leaders have crucified him and he's dead and now it's the th- third day and and there have been rumors all morning some of the women have been saying that he's really alive but we don't know what to make of that and this stranger began to open the scriptures and show from Psalms and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Moses and the other prophets how Christ ought to suffer and die and be raised the third day and they came to the little village of Emmaus and the Lord made as if he would go on <laughs> listen the Lord never forces himself on anybody now, I want you to remember that whoever you are wherever you are today God doesn't force himself on you Jesus doesn't come and say I'm coming in whether you want me or not as kids we used to play I'm, I'm coming ready or not but that's not the way Jesus does he says you have to be ready for me you have to have a house open to me a heart open to me and so Jesus made as if he would go on and their hearts were so warm that they compelled him to stay and he stayed with them a little while and he broke bread with them and in the breaking of the bread their eyes were opened and they saw it was Jesus and then he was gone the fact that Jesus was alive really alive transformed their lives now I want to tell you Jesus is alive today. He's just as much alive right now as he was on that first day on the Emmaus Road or when Peter and John ran into the tomb. We've been to Jerusalem. The grave is empty. He's not there anymore. He's alive. Secondly, the second thing that transformed their lives and made Christianity a vibrant, valid faith, they found out that that he was immediately present with everyone there. He was immediately present with every one of them. When Mary wept, Jesus said, Mary, why do you weep? When you weep, the Lord is there with you. And he says, why do you weep? You got tears in your eyes? The Lord is there with you. When Thomas doubted, I won't ask you to lift your hands, but how many of you have ever had doubts in your life? Doubts in your mind? There are people in this room this morning, people in tune by radio, who have had doubts, serious doubts in their minds. When you have doubts, Jesus is there. Jesus said to Thomas, Thomas, thrust in your hands. Put your hand in my rhythm side. It is I. When the disciples rejoiced, Jesus was right there with them. When the Christians were troubled, Jesus was there. Peter said, I'm going fishing. I'm just going to leave God. You ever been fishing when you ought to have been serving for the Lord? You ever been out playing golf when you ought to have been out for the Lord? That's what Peter was doing. He said, I'm going fishing. And the other disciples, Peter was a mighty leader, and Peter, and the other disciples said, well, I'll go with you. So they all went out fishing. Peter left the Lord. Do you think Jesus left Peter for even one minute? Not on your life. Right in the middle of that fishing party, Jesus went out on the seashore and cooked breakfast. And then he called out to them and said, children, have you caught anything? Oh, they were embarrassed. They said, "Uh, uh, uh, no, we fished all night. We didn't catch anything. And the Lord said, "Uh, cast on the other side and, and you'll catch. And they caught 153 kinds of fishes. And the nets break. And then Jesus fixed breakfast. And he said to Simon Peter, Peter... Do you love me more than these? What am I saying? When those disciples began to realize that Jesus was going to be there with them no matter what, wherever they were, what kind of trouble, what kind of sorrow, what kind of tears, even in backsliding, even when they left God out of their lives, Jesus was going to be there, they were transformed. They couldn't believe it. And their lives were so changed by that powerful truth, so will our lives be have you been to Jesus you have trusted him as your Savior and your Lord and then you left him haven't been serving him as close as you need to as you want to not as close as your heart craves to you're in God's house today because on this special day there's something inside that says I want to go to church today I just want to be there you know why you wanted to be here today the Lord drew you. God cares for you. Jesus is alive and he's dealing in your heart and he's tugging at your heart strings and he says, I want you to come and be part of my crowd. And when those disciples realized that, they were transformed. When they realized that Jesus was really on the throne, their lives were changed. Stephen, was the first Christian martyr. He was a deacon. He stood on the street corner one day and gave his testimony for Christ. They stoned him. And while he was dying, he looked into the into heaven and he said, I see Jesus. I see Jesus. Now remember, Jesus had died on the cross. He was buried. Three days later, he was raised from the grave. He appeared for 40 days, and then he ascended into heaven. And the Bible says he sat down on the right hand of the Father. And Stephen said, I see Jesus. I see Jesus. And he's standing on the right hand of the Father. Standing. He got up in honor of that first Christian martyr. And when those disciples began to put it all together and they recognized that Jesus wasn't dead anymore, that he was really alive, that he was with them in all sorts of conflicts and problems and troubles, and that he was secure on the throne of God, and that he honored them and recognized what was going on on the earth. Their lives were changed. Fourthly, in Acts chapter 1, when Jesus was ready to ascend into the Father, he went out on a mountain. The disciples went out there and watched him. They were with him. And Jesus, given that commission, he said, you're my witnesses. You shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Tarry ye in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall be witnesses. And then they went out and stood there, and the Lord began to go up. <laughs> and they looked. They just stood there gazing into heaven. And some angels came along again and they said, why do you stand looking into heaven? The same Jesus whom you have seen taken into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go. What what were the angels saying? Jesus is coming again. And when those disciples began to be aware that Christ was really going to come the second time, that he would return to this earth, their lives were transformed. There's one more. One more testimony I want to give you. It began to... that if they died before His return, then to be absent from the body would be to be present with the Lord. In fact, the Holy Spirit gave a tremendous insight into what happens when a Christian dies. He said, we know that if the earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. In this we groan, earnestly designed to be clothed upon with our house, which is from of heaven. If so be that being clothed, we should not be found naked. For we that are in this body do groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. And then he said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. And to be present with the Lord is to be absent from the body. And when those disciples got a handle on that, they actually put their hand on these truths. Their lives were changed. First, Jesus is not dead. He's alive. Second, He is present in all sorts of circumstances. Whatever kind of circumstance you face, he's there. Thirdly, he is at the right hand of the Father, and everything is all right in the Father's house. He's there. Fourthly, he's going to come the second time and receive unto himself those who are his own. And last of all, If we die before he comes, he's made arrangements for that. We're going to go be with him. It's not going to be some long thousand-year soul slumber. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. This past week we had a funeral. Stood there by that grave, recognizing that one day... This dear one whose body was sown in weakness will be raised in power. Sown a corruptible body will be raised an incorruptible body. Last week we had another funeral. Maybe two or three of them. We stood by that casket. Looked upon a precious form that was dear to people that are in this room right here. Recognizing that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now all of this is possible because Jesus went to the cross and he who knew no sin became sin for us. He shed his blood for our sins so that we could be delivered from the bondage of death and hell and meaninglessness and nothingness and we could be delivered into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Has that happened to you? Has there come a time in your life when you've received Christ as your Savior? You've recognized him as your Lord and you've said, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today. Come in to stay. I need you. I want you. There's a song that says, all my sins are gone all because of Calvary. Life is filled with song all because of Calvary. Because Jesus died And was buried and was raised from the grave and shed his blood to eradicate and blot out our transgressions and our sins, we can be forgiven and free to walk a heavenly life in earth and to walk forever with the Lord in heaven. May we pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Our Father, we thank Thee that Jesus is alive. He is not dead. We're grateful that one day He is coming again. Until then, we can go on walking with the King. We pray that somebody here in this room who has never begun to walk with the King will do it now. Will give his life to Jesus. Say, Lord, I want to serve you and live for you and walk with you. Have thy way today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand, please? Come every soul by sin oppressed, there's mercy with the Lord. What page is that, Brother Jerry? 252. Two hundred fifty-two. Would you turn there, please? Number 252. We'd like to request that no one move around or leave while we're singing this hymn. And this is hymn of invitation. <clears throat> What a wonderful day today to open your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and invite Him to come in and be your Savior and your Lord. If you've never done this before, I want to ask you to do it today. Just come from where you are. I want to meet you right here at the front. And by your coming, you're saying, I want Christ in my heart. Would you do it? There are some here who have been saved but have never followed the Lord in believers' baptism. You need to come today. There are some who are members of other churches, and God wants you at this church. Would you step out for Christ? Do what God wants you to do while we wait, while we pray. In Jesus' name, come for Christ today.